0: Back live at the Verisage Symposium, this is the, the last of our fellow Debt Talks for this morning. Um, and then we'll, we'll be taking lunch, not directly after this, there is going to be, a, there's a I, I should say this, there's going to be, there, we have a surprise insertion into the Debt Talks, a surprise insertion into the Debt Talks after Greg Kite, but we'll talk more about that after he finishes. Uh, <laughs> Greg. I I just laughed before I even said your name, so I don't know about that. But Greg is the, we we have designations, as you might know, for fellows at Verisage. One is practicing fellow, and this indicates that this is someone who is in current practice, but who adheres to all of the Verisage principles, meaning they uh, always fix price, always a 100% money-back guarantee, and they do not do timesheets. And then as well as being asked by Ron to be a fellow. That's the other qualification. So if you want to know like the process, that's the process. The, uh, the, but we then d- designate them. So we have the practicing fellow. And then we also have the, what are called senior fellows. And these are folks like myself and John who are no longer in current practice well then there's this guy who has his own special separate designation from a fellow perspective he doesn't have any he doesn't fit into either of those categories so we made one up and we he is known as affectionately as the g robert newhart non-value-added fellow (laughs) Uh, g robert newhart is is the long name for someone that you may all know his name is bob newhart the, the comedian the united states comedian who before he went into stand up comedy was in fact a CPA. So there's the full, full tie-in. So without any more blathering, let me bring up the G. Robert Newhart, non-value-added fellow, Mr. Greg
1: Kite. Thank thank you, thank you so much. Uh, Another way to say all that, uh, G. Robert Newhart, uh, non-value added. People are like, well, uh, why, why are you here? How did you get here? And I was like, I, I, I'm not in a firm. I'm a controller for a group of medical office buildings. I don't belong here. The reason I am here is because I made Ron Baker laugh once, and then, and here I am. So, um, but today I'm really excited to to talk to you about this uh, this concept that I've got. It's, It's it's about playing at work um, because I I love to play and I've, i I th- and I found a, I think well, what I'm what I'm getting what I'm finding here. This is a work in progress. This is something and I'm excited to get your feedback on uh, to see if this is all just bullshit or if it's actually something that's that's worth it. But I think but I think by using this, there's three things that you're going to find. You're going to find that it's a way to I, I have here. It's a way. It's a not so obvious way to delight your customers, your team, and yourself. Another way to say that is is it's a way to create value uh, for for everyone. And I love what Ron said earlier when he says value is not a number, it's a feeling. Um, I, that, that's something that's gonna stick with me, uh, not just because it's powerful, but also it's it's probably the only thing Ron said so far today that I haven't heard him say before. So, um, uh so uh, so what I've done is I've identified three different three different types of play. The first one uh, is is playing as in when you go to play a sport, and one of the things that I think you can do, one of the things that I don't think, I'm convinced that you can do to create value uh, in your firm, in whatever business that you have, is to retool your business so that it functions more like a sports team. And here's some of the, the components, some of the requirements that are there to, to retool a company to be more like a sport the first component is you have to have clear goals and probably what you're saying is you're saying no crap I have to have clear goals that's just good management well you're damn right it's good management but nobody does good management you're probably wrong and and basically that's just to say if you think you have clear goals you're probably wrong Okay, you have to set clear goals for how do you win? How do you win as a company? How do your cust? How does your how does your staff win? What do you really want from them? This goes back to my own personal story, my own own journey to Verisage. I worked at a CPA firm for one year, and I got chewed up and spit out largely because of the the bizarre incentives that are created in a in a time billing structure that's there. And the thing was is they kept telling me, "Hey, we want you to serve our customers wonderfully." But then they'd haul me into the back room and kick me in the kidneys because I wasn't meeting my chargeable hour goals for the year, even though I was treating, I was doing, I was providing some fantastic customer service. I did not understand how I was supposed to win. Um, some other interesting things about the clear goals is to create clear goals. You have to, you have to put in. Constraints. Think about the game of uh, soccer, or as people who don't speak English say, football. Uh, in in that there's there's constraints that are simply part of the game. Because if you think of it, somebody one day said, "Hey, I got an idea. How about we don't use our hands?" And that's a constraint that creates the game. So constraints are part of it. Don't go do whatever you need to do. Tell your people exactly how you're constraining them to create to 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 score points at your firm. The other thing that's interesting. Sorry, I'm I'm in puberty right now. The other thing that's interesting (laughs) is uh, is that. Um, is that you're going to have different levels? Like, like for instance, there's some sports. Like again, back to just to volleyball, you've got a you've got a position in volleyball that's a setter, and that person, all he's trying, he's not scoring points directly. His job is to be the second person to hit the ball to set up the person who's the striker. Okay, do you get that? And and so. You've got to show people that even if you're not the one ringing the cash register at my business, here's very specifically how you fit into the process and here's exactly what I what I want you to do. And if you ever spike the ball, you're doing your job wrong. Do you see what I'm saying? You got to set all that stuff up. Um, one of the things I talked to Sean earlier, you said that you have a very, within your firm, you've set up a, a very clear goal with all of your people in terms of how they how they score points. And I'm almost halfway done with my time. I gotta keep going. Next one, coaching. You've gotta be able to tell your people how they can suck less at what they do. Because one of the things with with changing your business to be a sport is that you're gonna be increasing engagement within your firm. But if people, if they suck at their sport they're gonna stop being engaged we all witnessed that last night where after the first quarter the Wiley Pirates were no longer engaged in the football game because they were getting spanked over and over and over again you've got to make you got to tell people how they can win and give them a clear path or else they're gonna disengage and the last one this is important with all these different with the three different types of play that I show there must be co- public comment Competition? H- have any of you ever uh, participated in a CrossFit workout? Raise your hand if you've ever done a CrossFit workout. Okay, it's accountants, yes. Yeah, so there's not very many. Um, but here's here's what they do. The one time I went to a CrossFit workout, it was you were supposed to do so many exercises, and once you were done with the entire workout, you went up and you wrote your name on the whiteboard. And the whole idea is that created a comp- a public competition where everyone was trying to see where they ranked in terms of the other people playing the game. At your firm, it's not a sport. You haven't transformed your company into a sport unless there's some sort of public competition. And you might say, wait a second, that's gonna make some of my staff feel crappy about themselves. Go back to number two. Some of them should feel crappy, but it's your job to tell them how to stop feeling crappy and how to start winning. Do you see what I'm saying there? So that's the first type of play is sport. type of play is artistic play as in you're playing you're playing a, a musical instrument Okay? How can you create that sort of artistic play within your firm? Well, again, there's some there's some components. The first thing is you've got to practice. Uh, you've got to be able to perfect the existing techniques for whatever that is, and this is any type of art, whether that's musical art, whether that's the fine arts like painting or drawing or anything like that. You've got to perfect the basics. Okay, it's pretty simple. But one other thing is, as you're practicing, as you're perfecting the basics. You've got to say no to so many other things. There's nobody who's a world-class cellist who also is doing a million other things. They've limited their life to become amazing and to perfect the basics at that. You've got what there was Bo Johnson or what Bo Jackson, who was baseball and football. He was a weirdo, and he probably would have gone further in his athletic career if he just focused on one of the sports. Okay. Michael Jordan was an amazing basketball player, horrible baseball player, stick to what you know. Next, and this is so important, you've got to produce. Cover bands don't change the world. I stole that from uh, Todd Henry is the guy's name, he's a, he's a podcaster and an author. Um, whatever you do, if you're an artist, it's not good enough to just have amazing technique. The other component that's required for you to produce something new is authenticity. That's, what, that's where artists thrive, that's where artists become something amazing is when they're able to imbue whatever they do with authenticity. And I don't care if you're talking, again, about a painter, about a a musician, or even a stand-up comedian. Those people are successful and they're amazing because they're giving something that's uniquely them to their customers and to the world. You've got to figure out a way inside your company to be able to show that authenticity out to the world. The next one, again, you've got to be able to perform your art publicly, whether that's... It's an art display, or a concert, or whatever that means. Whatever, whatever analogy works best for you. Whether or it's just shipping your art, you created some uh, a specific uh, art piece for a specific person and you send it to them that's a type of performance has anyone seen the, the movie mystery men it's a it's a spoof uh, superhero movie there was a there's a one of the superheroes in there is called invisible boy and they said tell us about your power and he says well I can turn invisible but only when no one's watching not even myself <laughs> okay you don't have a superpower unless people can see it so you got to show it it's very very important for an artist to be able to show their work. The third type of play, I call it pure play, and this is the hardest one for me to really nail down. It's it's when you're playing for the sake of play. You're having fun at work. This is incredibly important to me, and you'd be hard-pressed to find a business that says, we're not interested in people having fun at work. First off, the first component of pure play, it's risky. It takes courage. Did you guys see earlier today when I stood up and pretended like I had an Australian accent, and it was the worst pretend Australian accent that you'd ever heard. I was nervous getting up to do that because a I didn't know if you would all judge me, and b I didn't know if I'd like alienate half of the people in the room who would just hate me for mocking their country and their culture. It was a it would took courage. It takes courage to play at work. Period. The second thing it takes creativity. There's a thing I've done improv comedy. I've done it for years. One of the things we talk about there is finding the game. Within the game. Again, what I saw after I screwed around and did this fake accent, then Bill Sheraton calls me out by saying it's it's nice to be here with a bunch of smart people and Greg, which was <laughs> awesome. And then John at the and then John gets up with his nice Australian accent and says, Hi, I'm John from Provo, Utah. What we what you saw right there was an example this morning of finding a game within a game. You've got to get if you want people to really play at your firm. You've got to be able to give them the freedom to play, but then you've also have to help encourage them to say, "Hey, where are some what are some fun things that are like game, that are authentic games that happen here within our firm?" The last thing here is subversiveness. Um, and there's a story. Excuse me. A story about this. When I was in youth group, uh, a, a church youth group in high school, we had church youth group gr- games all the time. And uh, and and our motto for church youth group games was was if it's worth winning, it's worth cheating for. Uh, and 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 what we but listen, what we would do is we would listen to the rules of the game, and then we'd spend the whole rest of the time trying to figure out what the loopholes were to the rules of the game to win the game. And it was the best. So uh, so anyways this and I hope you uh, humor me with this a little bit why why play this is the biggest thing why do you want to play any of these things and the reason why is engagement now you could go back and you could say okay there's tons of reasons to do this you're going to it's going to foster innovation that's absolutely true it's going to foster creativity absolutely true it's going to help me uh, implement change absolutely true it's going to help me with my bottom line absolutely true it's going to build a loyal customer base absolutely true but I don't care I don't Give a rat's ass, honestly, about any of that stuff. The thing that's important to me about in about this about playing at work is engagement, is pure, simple engagement, and it gets back to the existential crisis of life. I, if you talk about work as a sport, I would rather spend my life uh, trying to trying to beat the clock that is my death. That's in, that's coming at me like a freight train that I can't. Uh, that I can't escape. I'd rather be trying to beat the clock than just running out the clock. Do you see what I'm saying? And everyone, everyone feels that in one way or another. There's a book that I read that changed my life. This this may be an overshare, but I don't care. A lot of you guys are close friends. You know this. I got divorced in the last year and I spent two years of just painful marriage counseling with this guy who was supposed to be an amazing marriage counselor and did not do it. And, And with the thousands of dollars that I spent to this guy to try to save my marriage, the the biggest thing that he sent me away with was he recommended a book that i thought was awesome and that book was called existential psychotherapy the wor- i know the worst name i i hear it myself it sounds like the worst book ever it was the best book ever and it's by this really creepy looking guy <laughs> Named Irvin Yalom, but he but it it changed. This book is amazing, and it gets to some of the some of the real roots of of what life is all about. And he says, meaninglessness. We all fight the battle of trying to find meaning in our work. You do it. Your staff does it. Your customers do it. And what he says is, meaninglessness is integrally inte intric- intricately interwoven with leisure and with disengagement. What that means, the converse of that, is if you're engaged at work, you're finding meaning. If you're engaged, and what I just was able to show you is three very tangible ways to get engaged. When you're playing a sport, you're freaking engaged. When you're on stage performing art, you're engaged. When you're fucking around, you're engaged. okay i am and the other thing <laughs> meaning meaning like pleasure must be pursued obliquely a sense of meaningfulness is a byproduct of engagement um, and then this last quote that i'm going that i'm going to leave on is this wholehearted engagement in any of the infinite array of life's activities not only disarms meaninglessness but enhances the possibility of one's completing the patterning of events of one's life in some coherent fashion what he means is when you're engaged in life you're able to create a story that's interesting okay if you're if you are a patent attorney i don't want to know you or talk to you or spend any time with you ever okay if you if you are a patent attorney are you a patent attorney you, okay uh, if, you, if you're a patent attorney who's figured out how to change being a patent attorney into a sport where you're engaged in it and you go, this this is how I am able to suck the marrow out of being a patent attorney. I want to spend all day with you. If you've become an artistic patent attorney where you're able to, where, where, where people are like, look at this guy. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. I know. I understand. The challenge is on you to make a patent attorney an art form. But what I'm saying, if you can do it, I want to know about it and I will buy you a drink to hear about it. If you're a patent attorney who who, who and I've done this because part of my job I work with legal documents even though I'm not a lawyer when they when you send me a legal document in word I am going to change something in it and I'll make sure it does not show up on the red line edition where there's a swear in it. There, the word shit will be in the document somewhere and it's up to you to find it. It's kind of like an easter egg huh? and nobody ever finds the easter egg okay it's exactly like that when if, if you're in inter- if you do that kind of stuff at work i totally want to be your friend and do that because what you've just done by doing that is you are you are what does he say completing the patterns and the events of your life into a coherent, and I'd say not just coherent, but into an interesting way to a story that you are proud of. So there, I totally ran the clock, and I'm sorry, but thank you for letting me present that.